0: Welcome to the Austin Forum Upload, where we explore pervasive and emerging technologies and
1: their influence and impact on society.
0: In this series, we upload direct to you information, opinions, and insights from thought leaders, experts, and creatives from Austin and beyond.
1: They'll share their perspectives through conversations, interviews, debates, discussion, and more. I'm Jay. I'm John.
0: And I'm Hooli. And we co-produce the upload for the Austin Forum on Technology and Society. Our guest today is longtime Silicon Valley tech veteran Paul O'Brien, known as S.E. O'Brien on the internet for his extensive past in the search industry. He's also an expert in tech startups and in venture capital economic development. Paul is the founder of MediaTek Ventures based here in Austin, Texas. And he also serves as a director of Founder Institute, a global startup incubator. Paul, welcome to the Austin Forum Upload.
1: What an awfully nice introduction, Uli. How are you?
0: <laughs> I am delightful. Thank, thank you, you for having me here. Well, thank you for having us. And I've got to say, you know, because you have presented for the Austin Forum before, that we are devoted into... Digging into all kinds of tech and following the threads that tech weaves into our culture, uh, into our society, what impacts these have. So I have to ask you about the story in the Austin Business Journal last November, why Paul O'Brien is on a mission to make Austin the Hollywood of media tech.
1: (laughs) The Hollywood. Here's here's the guy from Silicon Valley in Austin. Trying to make it Hollywood.
0: Yes, <laughs> yes so I'm just- Well, you know
1: what they—you know what they say about PR. Any any PR is good PR. Right? They did
0: spell your name right, and
1: and they did spell my name right, and 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 there's a there is a hint of truth to that. There's there's this thesis that I've had on behalf of Texas, not just in Austin, but on behalf of Texas, that what really makes industries and ecosystems work is an identity built around a specific sector. And right. Hollywood is one of those identities. Uh, it's known for the film industry. Uh, Nashville is known for the country music industry. Right. Uh, Silicon Valley is, is known for a lot of technology. And, and the thesis that we shared was that in Texas, we need to develop that. We need to ensure that the investment community that companies that uh, the world stage, uh, that people who are just trying to figure out where to move and and settle and and develop a career, that they see opportunities in Austin and in Texas because of how we distinguish ourselves as an economy. Uh, Not just as a place to live, not just as a place to love, but because we have a degree of excellence in certain industries, in certain ways. Uh, We're not trying to make Austin into Hollywood by any stretch, but that idea uh, helped us establish, I think locally at least, the fact that what we're really trying to do is build from the ground up all that it takes to be as effective uh, and, and uh, impactful uh, as a place like Hollywood or as a place like New York in the finance industry mm-hmm. uh, or in the fashion industry, as effective at putting people to work, moving capital into people's pockets through jobs, through investment, and through corporate development, and helping the city thrive by identifying as something distinct in the world.
0: Well, let's dig down into that a little bit, because most people think of media as a vertical, right? Video, TV, radio, podcasts like these. But you guys take a, a broader view. You see it as more of a horizontal, that there are all kinds of points of entry into media tech, not just the ones that people think of conventionally, like Turning on their television. What are some other things that you would put in that media tech category that people might not conventionally think about?
1: Great question. There, there's a new. There's an economist that I'm increasingly a fan of by the name of Richard Florida. He's coined the idea of what's called the creative class. Right. And uh, he pointed out that about. 15 or 20 years ago, only 20% uh, of the economy was working productively and and, uh, being paid well and so forth in the creative class. But that that sector of of the economy is growing substantially uh, because it includes technical folks and creative folks. Mm -hmm. But it includes both of those people in the sense that they share skill sets. They overlap. That the creative people with technical skill sets, are doing exceptionally well, and mm-hmm. the technical people with creative skill sets are doing distinctly and exceptionally well. And Jack Ma at the World Economic Forum oh, just, yes. just, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. just just a few months ago pointed out that in the next thirty years, if we're not teaching people these creative and technical skill sets, we're going to have a serious crisis on our hands because we're automating raw technical jobs. Right? We're we we now have AI that's writing code and and uh, writing books and writing news articles. And, and we have creative folks on the art side, in music, in, in film, who frankly, because of the way the economy works today, have to have an understanding of the technology involved in what right. they're doing. And so, yeah, we, we look at media as a horizontal because in the development of this idea of media technology, what we noticed is that in any given part of the world, people have a different interpretation of what media means. In New York, media is news. Mm -hmm. Uh, In Silicon Valley, media is social media. Uh, In Austin, when we say media, people think of music because we're in the live music capital of the world. Mm -hmm. And of course, in LA, they might think of the film industry as media. And so what we did was we just pointed out that in this creative class, media simply refers to the creative skill sets, that are developing content, developing experiences, developing the things that people want to be a part of, mm-hmm. and the technology underlying the media is almost ubiquitous. It doesn't matter if you're creating film or music or or trying to figure out how to publish a book. The technology underlying all of that is fundamentally the same. And the faster we can appreciate that the technology is fundamentally the same, the faster we can bring everybody up to speed. With what the technology is doing to our jobs and how it's changing the way in which our creative class is going to work.
0: And that's that's an excellent point because we've talked offline many times about Austin's creative class and what can we be doing on the tech side, on the workforce development side to help stabilize that sector, to help give those individuals options um, as technology changes but they still are seeking an outlet for the creative voice, and we've talked about workforce development. I was at a smart cities event yesterday, and someone was telling me about how some tech companies are keeping an eye on schools and programs as early as fifth grade yeah. to see where the future of tech is is being shaped and trained. and And your quote from Jack Ma is is just right that that education today needs to be about teaching people how to be. Humans have yes. to be well-rounded. Yes. So, as you look at Mediatech through that lens, through that lens of workforce development, of being a dad, and being an employer yourself, what can we, what should we be doing now with working adults, like creatives, to elevate their skill sets so they can keep up with that shifting marketplace? What's what's our obligation as the people who are? maybe out just a tiny bit in front of the next group.
1: Great question. Two two thoughts, particularly with regard to to Austin, since that's where so many of your listeners are, are chiming in from. Uh the, the first is that I, I think we've gone too far down the path of STEM. Science, technology, engineering, and math—too far yeah, that's down the path.
0: Revolutionary. Hold on, everyone, please hit save on your computer. <laughs> We've gone too far with STEM. Tell me too, more.
1: Well, too far down down the path because of that point that that Jack Ma was making—that mm-hmm. that if all we're teaching folks is how to code and how to be an engineer, the the reality is that we have bots that that are starting yeah. to do that for us, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it's a place like Austin where we might. Uh, embrace and celebrate and and promote and evangelize the fact that what we really need to focus on is steam mm-hmm. right with the arts in, in, included in there and, and I and I love that schools are trying to do that mm-hmm. right schools are starting to recognize that that yes we want to teach code uh, children to to code but what do they want to code they want to code games mm-hmm. they want to code arts right they That's what they want to <laughs> they want to produce a music video for yes. their you know for their high school band yes that that there is an opportunity in uh, our youth and and through our isds and the education system there to frankly learn from how we might develop the workforce a little bit more effectively for adults and that 's where my second thought comes from mm-hmm. that in the past twenty years we 've unfortunately uh, diminished the value of of a trade school right mm. we, we've we 've taught everybody that they have to go to college uh, and if you don 't go to college somehow that's that 's less valuable to society and In the last few years, we've started to recognize and reinforce that, oops, that's not at all true, Mm -hmm. uh, nor remotely accurate. Now we have all of these jobs that are not going filled because everybody's trying to get into college, or we have too many people that are uh, spending a fortune to get a college degree only to then not have a productive job because they've not learned a trade. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The trades are in steam. Uh, A musician who can pick up Ruby on Rails... Mm -hmm is now a musician who has a creative skill set that they can apply to the technology industry.
0: From the road.
1: From, from the road. <laughs> yeah. And and so in one sense, just the idea of treating our workforce uh, in, in both that creative and technical context is critical. But in another sense, the way to put our musicians back to work, the way to put our filmmakers back to work, the way to put our designers back to work in Austin is to – Simply teach them the technical skill sets that they need to do a lot of these things themselves, Mm -hmm. right? Are you a musician who has not built your own website? God forbid, why haven't you? It's Mm -hmm. not hard. Uh, it's not rocket science. Um, There there are free tools available to make sure that you as a musician can be much more effective and make a living just because of your talent, your creative talent, simply by doing some of the technical things that are required these days, right? Are you using Facebook effectively? Mm -hmm. Have you put up a website that actually works? (laughs) Are you promoting yourself at, at your local venues by yourself because of the tools and technologies that exist in order for you to do that? If we treat the workforce... In a way that we're recognizing that they need both these creative and technical skill sets. Mm-hmm. We can put everybody to work very, very quickly or ensure that they're working for themselves very effectively.
0: Excellent. Excellent point. Let, that makes me think of a different – I want to go down a little bit different path now because I'm thinking of of conversations where we've talked about creatives being their own startups, right? A band is a company. A band is, is its own entity. Yeah. And it needs – the same type of infrastructure as an app or a widget or an artisan beard cream or what have you. (laughs) So Bring is incubator launch season in Austin. And you had posted a really interesting article on Medium last month talking about how startups fail, not just why startups fail, but how startups fail. And in it, you did kind of a meta-analysis of a number of research studies, and then you overlaid it with your personal experience Meeting with twenty startup teams in a forty-eight hour period, thanks to your work with Mass Challenge and Div Inc and Founder Institute, and you identified a pattern in these fa- failures that didn't hinge on coding or programming nope. or hardware. Right. Can you can you tell us more about what you found?
1: Right, uh, there's a there's a second economist that I'm a big fan of, and I encourage everybody to read, uh, not because it's an economics book, but because his outlook on the economy and society was profound 40, 50 years ago. A man by the name of Peter Drucker uh, pointed out that only two things create value in businesses. Uh, and, and by extension of business, he's referring to the economy, the local community, the workforce, etc. And those two things are marketing and innovation, right? If we're not being innovative, it's hard to compete. And if we aren't marketing, uh, we have no idea what to do. And his point was that marketing is not selling something. Marketing is not promoting something. Marketing is the the work of understanding what's going on in in your market. And so, if you're a musician, right? If you're a musician, the idea of that startup uh, analogy is is profound because what what the what what the work to identify why startups fail uncovered twenty different reasons startup fail. Was that there were about seven or eight reasons that were essentially, were fundamentally all about the team. Mm -hmm. And whether or not the right people were in place to ensure that we're not making mistakes as a new business, right? So if you think of yourself as a band or you're producing a new film in Austin or you're developing a video game in Austin, right? Do you have the right people on the team to just not make mistakes that are well understood today uh, such that we can overcome those mistakes? Do you have somebody... In the band, do you have somebody producing that film that understands the market? Do you have somebody who understands the technology that's available to help you do these things? Do you have somebody who understands what your audience really likes? Do you have somebody who can figure out whether or not you should be playing at a live music venue in West Austin... Or in South Austin, uh, or are you just playing wherever somebody's willing to give you a hundred bucks? Which, of course, you shouldn't be doing. But but are you doing that because you're so that's desperate? A whole other episode. <laughs> right. Yeah. How you know the question is how how are you doing that in such a way that you're not wasting time trying to figure it out by having the right people in place, having the right team in place? And right? what
0: did you find when you met with all these all these startups in, in kind of this binge binge episode?
1: Most of- <laughs> most. Most always fail because they don't do that. They don't have that in place. They don't have the right people in the room mm-hmm. to make sure that they're not making mistakes that so many of others so many of others have already figured out and, and worked through. That that as a band, you're you're not looking at Austin and saying, I'm gonna play on Sixth Street because it's a block away and I know the venue owner there when the you know the, the venue at B Caves might be willing to pay you quite a bit of money to come out there and play. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you figure that out? Well, you need to have somebody in the room on the team Mm -hmm. who understands how to use Facebook or Google uh, or, or a data platform to figure out where there might be the most interest and excitement in what you're doing. The second thing that that startup data uh, pointed out is that most startups fail simply because they're not collecting the information. Mm-hmm. They're not they're not aggregating data about their business. They're not aggregating data about their competitors.
0: Well, talk more about that because all all we seem to hear these days, right, is is everyone's got my data. Every time I turn around, somebody's asking me for data. And what you're encountering is is that maybe we're not collecting the right elements.
1: Yes precisely and not only are we not collecting the right elements but we're not then taking it to the next degree of importance which is insights hmm. and then intelligence
0: that you can act on yep
1: yeah right and so so if you think about it from the standpoint of a startup uh, or again a band your your most readily available set of data comes from your website and comes from an analytics platform like Google Analytics mm-hmm. which is all freely available to put in place.
0: And you can do it yourself musicians and artists you can do it yourself.
1: Yeah, a- absolutely easily. <laughs> you know, not not easily in the sense of knowing what to do with it, but you absolutely can build your own online experience and put in place this data platform to start collecting information. Now, the challenge though is then you've got all this data. Well, what do you do with it? That's a why then you need this team of folks who mm-hmm. cares about that stuff, who understands how to look at your website analytics, which by the way, musicians or filmmakers or, or book authors, your analytics platform on your website can tell you from where. Uh, by zip code, mm-hmm. people are visiting your experience, and so you can tell very quickly if you should be playing in downtown Austin or maybe the domain. Maybe or, there's a ton of people Prague. up north, or, or right, or somewhere else entirely. Yeah, um, you can tell very quickly, immediately whether or not you have a lot of folks looking at your brand, your your experience, your band uh, on a mobile device mm-hmm. or a website. And if you're seeing a lot of folks looking at you, what you're doing on a mobile device maybe you go invest in building an app for yourself, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You can see very quickly what keywords from something like Google, what mm-hmm. keywords are driving demand for, driving attention for what you're doing, and that might nuance how you position your next show. That mm-hmm. might nuance what you name your next album. That might change some of the thoughts you're having about a song you want to write mm-hmm. based on what people are looking for and why they're excited about what they're hearing from you.
0: That's that's an excellent, excellent thing for artists to consider. I was hearing about a band that did put together an app. They had found that most of their traffic was coming through through mobile. So they decided to make an app and they were thinking, well, you know, do we make a game? Like, do they dress us up with hats? What, what do we want this app to be? And they decided that they would have a dinner in every community where they were going sure. for people who were members of their their website and people would pay an additional fee to get this one-on-one or group-on-one access to these artists that they loved whenever they were in town. The artists had a really mellow, relaxing dinner with tons of support before they ever walked on stage. And they had what amounted to a a passive income stream from uh, just making this information available to them and being willing to have hamburgers with strangers right. uh, but they never would have known that it never would have occurred to them if they hadn't collected the data and looked at it and said what how can we act on this how can right. we convert this where
1: could we go next and do it yes. again it, yes. it's the new fan club if you think about it it, it really is the new way in which uh, our fans are engaging with us as as artists and media professionals and, it's, and that's what we're trying to celebrate and teach and help develop in media tech mm-hmm. that that Everything we just talked about, Huli, is is technology that's enabling this band to be more successful.
0: It's in service to a larger right. mission. And mm-hmm.
1: what's exciting is when you think about how that, that band could do the same thing through VR, and now they could do it in anywhere in the world. Would you like to have a private jam session with us? You know, you could pay for that, and we'll do it through virtual reality, mm-hmm. right? That's technology. It's, it's hard to understand as an artist... Uh, whether or not to make those investments in that technology when, one, you don't understand what they cost, what it involves, what it requires. <laughs> and two, when you don't have people in the room on the team that can help make those decisions with you so that you're not just trying things to try them. You're trying things because you're seeing demand for it and you've got a, a circle of peers, a circle of friends, you got folks on, on the team and the band with you that understand how some of that stuff works so that you can just put it right into place with a form of monetization mm-hmm. that changes the way we do business today. Changes the way we do business from selling a song on Spotify to engaging directly with your fans through these various experiences that we can develop.
0: Well, as you, as you say that, I'm looking around this great room that we're in, the startup studio at Galvanize, and inclusion... Um, community, equitable access to resources, those seem to be some of the key values that you personally bring, that you use as a compass to guide your decision making. Thank you. Um yeah. Yeah, I picked that up <laughs> and uh, it's, it's true and it's, it's inspiring. So a great example of, of that commitment that you have to being inclusive, to, to making sure everyone has access to resources is the place where we're recording this podcast, the startup studio at Galvanize here in Austin. What, what sparked the idea of, You know, we're the live music capital of the world, so we've got recording studios here. But what sparked the idea for you of a recording studio resource for the tech community, for the startup community?
1: In fact, that, that we do have a lot of recording studios in Austin. And, And what struck me as interesting is how unfrequently, infrequently they're used. There are a lot of resources here that are uh, not well known that that aren't being uh, used as frequently as they could be, and so in developing this idea of these startup studios and and the, this this first this minimum viable version that we've got at Galvanize oh. is is just that it's a first. You heard uh, it
0: here first. We're
1: we're we're, we're
0: franchises now available. We are.
1: We're, we're we're making them available throughout Austin and and frankly throughout the country uh, in the next couple of years. But we're doing that because what what dawned on us was that a a startup, uh, a business person, a book author doesn't necessarily look at all of these recording studios that are all over the place and think, ha, I should go do a podcast there. Well, that's a music recording studio. And even though it's perfect for podcasting, uh, or, or there's a there's a great uh, audiobook recording studio at New Republic Studios, Film Studio in Far East Austin. The film Studios got a, a podcasting studio in it. People just don't think of going wow. to these kind of places to do mm-hmm. this. And, and therefore, yes, the challenge is these things seem inaccessible, right? I don't know how to put together a studio to start a radio show. I don't know how to uh, record an audiobook. I don't know how to do some sound bites uh, or record a video for my startup. I don't know how to because I don't know where to go. Uh, I don't have the resources available. I'd have to pay somebody. Um, those resources, they're, they're a foundation of that economy. They're a foundation of to get back to that that idea of a place like Hollywood, they're, they're a foundation of what makes that entire ecosystem work. It's hard to have a radio and podcasting industry when no one sees that these resources are readily available mm-hmm. uh, and that they're freely available in many cases so that those who want to just try can get in front of a microphone and give it a shot and see how good they sound on the air and whether or not there's an audience for them.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's... That's exciting uh, that you were able to connect those dots and then provide that resource to the community. It, it makes me think. Let's let's dig on, down into your business model for a second. Mediatech Ventures, as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, is is a holding company which gives you the agility and the ability to spin off subsidiaries if you're working on a project that really catches fire.
1: Yeah, and and so what is our business model? That's um, frankly, it's it's something we're constantly trying to figure out how to simplify with regard to how do we ex- how we explain it because. We oh, s- I
0: just heard a collective sigh of relief <laughs> across America that <laughs> other people other people are constantly readjusting.
1: Oh God, you've got you've got yeah. to in 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 our businesses, right? Um, you've we we started a few years ago toying around with the various resources that help develop industries and economies. Hollywood was an example of that. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Michigan, and yeah. so the way the auto industry worked, and then <laughs> frankly stopped working in Detroit, was a big learning uh, experience. was a good a good lesson for us. and And we started looking at things like airports hmm. and how airports are public private partnerships. True. To drive the economy, hmm. how do they do that? Well, they put companies in place. They put restaurants in a place. They enable transportation they enable tourism they do so many different things in a very unusual business model right if you were to say hey airport how do you guys make money well they don't just sell a product or a service yeah, they yeah. do a lot of different things mm-hmm. in order to to facilitate the ecosystem and the economy around that airport We started looking at ideas like that, Uh, a mall and how a mall is kind of the same thing. It's got uh, a food court and it's got small uh, stores and big stores and maybe a mobile app where you can buy something and it's got a lot of different things that they do. And it dawned on us that uh, large corporations like Virgin, like Alphabet, which owns Mm -hmm. Google and YouTube, uh, like uh, Oath, Mm -hmm. uh, which now owns uh, Yahoo, where I started my career those large corporations are essentially the same thing. They're holding companies. And those holding companies don't build or sell a product in any distinct way, they develop companies. And so what we've been doing in Media Tech Ventures is uh, working backwards, frankly. We, We started with this holding company model and we've, we've explored what's called a venture development group. We've mm-hmm. displore, explored what's called a startup studio. It's a business model that you might look up. Mm-hmm. We've explored these different business models as a way to help explain to folks how you can start with a holding company and work backwards. Because most, most businesses start with a specific product or brand. Right. and end up in a holding company? Mm-hmm. We're going backwards. What if we build a holding company first mm-hmm. in order to support the entire industry, the entire ecosystem? And and then we can figure out what's missing and develop it. And so what we actually do is we build by or partner with everybody in the media technology ecosystem. We've got about 15 different partners throughout the world already who do similar things to what we're doing. And we've partnered because we can't do it in Pakistan. And Somebody else did, can do it. How
0: did you find them? Did they Or did they find you? How did these connections happen?
1: Uh, yeah, great question. In fact, Austin was, was perhaps the most pivotal reason that we've developed these relationships. That in talking about the idea of developing a, an entity that fosters the ecosystem and the economy and the workforce and investment. Uh, the city of Austin, South by Southwest, mm-hmm. a lot of the interest in our media and technology ecosystems here started picking up the phone and calling us and during south by uh australia would come into town and their music tech uh resources from australia they'd come into town and 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 the city would say hey Have you talked to John and Mm -hmm. and Sabrina and folks over at Tech Ventures? Because it sounds like what you're doing there is similar to what these guys are doing here. Shouldn't we all be working together? And of course, we nod unequivocally and say, absolutely. We're just trying to move the capital into the ecosystem. Uh, So so we do, philosophically, we try to develop uh, five things.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: In this holding company, we're trying to help uncover who all of the people are that have technical skill sets in media. We're building the data set mm-hmm. for that creative class, number one. Number two, we work in education. We've got a nonprofit entity that's developing uh, the workforce and also developing new businesses, mm-hmm. uh, a startup incubator. We've got some real estate uh, plays uh, like this studio. Uh, we're developing uh, East Austin rather extensively in the next mm-hmm. year uh, because we've seen that most of the media ecosystem, most of the creative class is on that side of Austin. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four, we have a, a whole roster of Developers and producers and marketing professionals who we drop into other people's companies to help make them a little bit more effective and efficient.
0: As mentors or coaches or? But
1: mostly, yeah, mostly as mentors and advisors, but mm-hmm. to the extent that they need them, certainly as resources, mm-hmm. you, you need a developer. What we, what we put in place is this startup studio business model, which means that uh, for a small piece of equity in the business, uh, we can make those resources available at cost. Nice. Uh, and that way we can enable other businesses, other new companies, bands, filmmakers, etc., to have access to folks that they couldn't necessarily afford otherwise, mm-hmm. just by also taking a, a piece, sharing a piece in, in the risk and reward mm-hmm. for what we're doing. Uh, and then lastly, we have a promotion entity, and and that's where that Hollywood – uh, narrative came from in the in the Austin Business Journal. What we pointed out is that if you think of Hollywood, Hollywood really works because of the Oscars, mm-hmm. because of Variety Magazine, uh, because of the promotions of the industry itself. Mm-hmm. And and so, to what extent can we help develop those promotions of this ecosystem, so that the investors, the companies, the people looking for work know where to to do that, know where to go find that work and put money to work in the ecosystem?
0: So let's say this this podcast goes viral and thousands of of media tech startups start to contact you and saying we we want to be a partner with media tech ventures how how do you guys in general uh how do you how do you figure out what's the next big thing what's what what ideas have potential what is a good partner organization you know you might you might be a great product but you're not right for media tech what's what does it take to get into the media tech venture stable
1: yeah, great, great question because there, there are actually two different ways to answer that. First is that in, in working with us directly, keep in mind that our role is development of the industry. And so we're not, uh, investing in or working on behalf of the next streaming platform for video. We're not, we're not working with directly, uh, those companies or, or products that are consumer applications in the industry. We're working with the stuff that helps buoy the entire ecosystem. So we're, we're working with technology companies that are looking at data aggregation of sound engineers. We're, we're working with uh, the streaming infrastructure, uh, SaaS platforms that enable someone to produce a podcast very, very easily and very simply and effectively. We're looking at the ways in which uh, content marketing uh, and social media work together to foster more audiences for uh, the, the content media and social media industries. We're looking at that infrastructure layer. It's kind of the way to think about it. Mm-hmm. That we want to build and buy and partner with stuff that makes it easier for people that have consumer startups or people who are musicians or people who are filmmakers to use technology so that they can be successful. That makes sense. A way to think about it is that our customer is the investor. Our customer is the capital market, whether that capital market is a company or a public fund or a state fund or a federal fund uh, or a venture capitalist. That's who we're serving in Media Tech Ventures. That's the most important way to engage with us. That said, the incubator that we're developing, uh, the global partnerships that we're developing enable us to provide to a new business who's just trying to bring something to market. A great many resources that they wouldn't otherwise have. Right, mm-hmm. if you're if you're starting a, a, a VR tech in in Austin and you'd really love to get connected with Dublin because you know that they're doing some great work there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, reach out to us. We can help you connect there if you're looking for investment in that. We've got an incubator model, we've got resources, we've got an investor network. So we can very easily put money into those kind of things uh, Mm -hmm. to help you be successful as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, uh, as as an innovator in the ecosystem. So think of it in these two different ways, right? Mm -hmm. In what way is what you're doing support of the industry at large? Then we want to talk directly. Mm -hmm. In what way is what you're doing something that's new to consumers or new to the market? In that context, we'd want to talk about how we can help you.
0: Thank you not just for this interview, but thank you for doing that. Thank you for being a person with access to this information and the motivation to share it with as many people as possible. Thank you for sharing your time with us today. Thank you for sharing this beautiful studio. And uh, we look forward to hearing many more great things about Media Tech Ventures as you continue to grow into the alternative to Hollywood.
1: Huli, it has been, it has been a privilege. <laughs> I, I am so honored to be on the show. I'm excited for upload. Thanks. I'm glad you're in the startup studio with us. I'm looking forward to the next forum, the Austin Forum on Technology and Society. That, that to be frank is, is that, that effort, that initiative that you've had with that, uh, with that program and that model is, is driving a lot of this personal passion, right? If we can just show folks how society and technology work together, mm-hmm. we can develop this future together in Austin and make sure that everybody is, working passionately, productively, efficiently, and finding time for their family and their music and the things that they love. I know we can do it. We're going to get there soon.
0: Amen. Thank you.
1: Thanks for listening to the Austin Forum Upload. You can listen to additional episodes and check out a schedule of our monthly in-person events at austinforum.org. The Upload is a production of the Austin
0: Forum on Technology and Society, a nonprofit organization here in Austin, Texas.